It's time for another rant with me, Abir Al-Amin, on the weekly podcast, Evoke Rant Sessions. I'm going to dive into a monumental part of who we think we are. What is ego? There are so many definitions out there, a religious definition, psychology, and of course, new age spirituality. But can we bring all of those onto one page with an understanding that we can apply to our day-to-day? Especially that terms about ego have infiltrated our colloquial everyday language. Phrases like, this person's got a massive ego, or you should squash your ego, or your ego's your amigo, and uh, let's transcend our ego. What does that mean? Let's start by looking at how ego actually functions. Ego interfaces between our desires and our moral compass and the external world. Our desires are innately built. They're driven by curiosity and the will to create. The moral compass is a compilation of what is morally acceptable and what isn't. It usually takes on a judgmental tone and receives its information from the external world, which is everything outside of us and how it responds to what we do, say, feel, and think. When we're born, our ego doesn't have enough data to build the moderation on, so it starts compiling this data as we go about life. Take a little baby, for example. He's crawling about and finds this strange little thing on the floor, and his curiosity and wonder kick in. He will now use his five senses to act upon the desire to explore the thing. And as we know, babies always go for the put-it-in-their-mouth approach. His mother says no and removes the thing. Repeat this context enough times, and the baby eventually registers that his desire to eat things off of the floor is undesirable. The feedback from mom in the external world was also saved by the moral compass and the ego will now build a mechanism to avoid that response from the outside world in the future. So it pushes that desire down and away. Mind you, the baby doesn't understand why he shouldn't eat things off of the floor. He will understand later in life, but right now he's slowly shaping his behavior based on the feedback from the outside world. So far, this is a great process, and ego's doing an awesome job, right? But what if it starts saving distorted data? Let's say the baby has now grown into a two-year-old and is happily scribbling on a wall. At this point, he doesn't understand the concept of action and consequence. He's very innocent, and he's in the moment holding this thing in his hand, and as he moves it across a white wall, it creates patterns. It's moving along with his hand and he's so curious and following that primal desire of creating out of nothing until his mom walks in and reacts with a no. The external world has given him feedback that whatever he was doing didn't go well with his external source of love. Without knowing exactly why, because a two-year-old doesn't understand consequence, yeah? So what the ego is going to register now is danger We better not do this again, or mom will be upset with us and give us that face. The reason is, mom will be upset with us. Not a conscious understanding of why his action was undesirable to begin with. Mom's reactions could range from anything to a no to a more disastrous reaction. But let's just say for now that she sets the kid aside, gives him a toy, and goes about her business cleaning the wall. Now, kids play alone a lot of the time, not an issue. But when they're left alone because of an action they have done, they equate their decision to follow their desire 
with the resulting disconnection from love, which is what he's just experienced, a disconnection from love. Now the child is not only afraid because he's done something that's obviously not agreeable with his mom, but is also feeling some kind of way because somehow it's his fault he's not being loved. His ego will now register this primal desire as unwanted, and it will learn a new trick. Now he thinks in action an undesired consequence, also known to us as guilt. And his innocence slowly begins to fade. The ego will try to stop him from pursuing that desire again, but what happens if his primal desire and urge to experience gets the upper hand? He'll try to find a way to do the action, but avoid the consequence. So he goes the second time to scribble on the wall and stops before his mom could see him and leaves the crime scene. Primal desire fulfilled. His mom walks in, sees the scribbles, obviously knows he's done it, and takes one angry look at him and says, did you do this? Ego sees the reaction and immediately goes into survival mode using a defense weapon, lie. He hasn't yet learned the power of deduction that the mom has mastered because he's two. And he's protecting himself from the disconnection from love he's already experiencing right now. Now this can go one of two ways. The mother can either use this as an opportunity to make the child feel safe enough to tell the truth or she would act out of her own unhealed trauma and further the protective agenda from the ego through shaming and punishing the boy for lying, in order to teach him a lesson, of course. And if this happens, here's the lesson the boy is going to learn. I am shameful. The little boy scribbling on a wall was experiencing creativity, presence, fun, curiosity, wonder, innocence. And when his external world reacted to that with a disconnection from love, fear of being abandoned and rejected took over, along with shame of self, guilt of action, and using regret to design his course in life moving forward. Behold, the unworthiness complex. The result of this experience is beliefs about the self and about love that will now shape the way this child responds to the external world and launches how the ego creates his persona based on the now distorted feedback loop. The data is now distorted by fear. Let's talk about the persona a bit. It's a compilation of attributes that we use to identify ourselves. The first layer we acquire at birth, like name, gender, nationality, uh, religion, and ethnicity. We inherit those with all the stories the world has already created about them, the good and the bad. Then comes the second layer, which we acquire as we go, like hobbies, job title, university degree, fashion sense, and uh, our taste in music. We mostly use these two layers to interact with the world on a superficial level. Introductions, small talk, being in big groups, and that work. Then there's the deepest layer of them all. The one we mostly keep to ourselves, our inner world, our thoughts, emotions, and feelings. If you're a doctor or a manager somewhere, you don't come home and sit on your sofa and think, I'm a doctor. No, that's your external persona, and it's reserved for the external world. When we're alone, the thoughts and feelings that creep up to the surface are ones that we tend to ignore. And since most of us never really learned to process them, 
Instead, we use coping mechanisms to distract and console ourselves, or defense mechanisms when our external world triggers those stagnant emotions and feelings and activates our looping thoughts. The ego is a data collector, but since a lot of us had experiences like this little child, some far worse, then the data is skewed. Our perception of the external world is now one of danger and unsafety. We second-guess ourselves, curb our expression, feel guilt and shame anytime the primal desire to just be comes up. Our response to it would be to suppress it so that we could stay safe, period. And when we find ourselves in the presence of love, in friendships and relationships, the elusive feeling of background fear comes up and the coping and defense mechanisms related to ensuring we don't get abandoned or hurt are now at the forefront of that interaction. Whether we push away or attach, same wound, different coping strategies. The ego's goal is to curb the primal desire to just be ourselves because we're not safe doing so. That's what the data says. No, 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 says the ego. We can't. It'll cost us. Because what if blah, blah, blah. And it'll create a convincing narrative of why we need to protect ourselves now by keeping us in a perpetual state of fear. The trauma response to life. The ego's assumptions are built on the false premise that love is outside of us. And it's conditional. And it can hurt us. And just like the fear of death doesn't really stop death, but brings about a fear of life, our fear of being hurt, abandoned, or rejected by love just becomes a fear of love itself. Ego has now exacted a military coup of your mental, emotional, and physical system and declared a war on love. But wait a second. It moderates based on skewed data. It protects you from elusive fear. It survived perceived. Perceived, yeah? Not real but perceived non-existent threats and separates you not only from the world, but from yourself. Continuously comparing this and that person, this and that context, you to the other, based on its database and using awesome narrator skills. It's actually gotten you to believe that you're the one thinking. It hijacked your existence to keep you safe. It's gone a little overboard with overthinking every little aspect of life's details. And you know what they say, the devil is in the details. What if I told you that your initial primal desire is from a place of love? That you're not shameful, nor should you feel guilty for your existence. Because you are loved, you are love itself, but ego has convinced you otherwise. So you push all kinds of love away. What if I told you that whatever you experienced in your childhood that you carry with you to this day is the burden? All that data. What if I told you that you're not your experience regardless of what the world has shown you? That the world only showed you its collective trauma, not its truth. Just like you're hiding your truth. You are not your trauma. You're not the defense and coping mechanisms you use to feel falsely safe. You've barricaded yourself from love so intensely, you didn't even realize you were putting up a wall between you and your true self. 
burying your light deep and keeping it hidden from the most important person in your life, you. And all the while, the ego designed an external persona in order to belong to a world you now venture into without love, like it's a battlefield. We're all tired and our nervous system is exhausted of fighting our demons over and over. It feels like hell. What would life look like without ego? There would be presence, being in the moment and embracing it for all that it presents, not lost in data from eons past or a future that's yet to happen. There would be wonder, wonder at the infinite possibility the moment holds because you're not zeroed in only on the danger. There would be innocence and embodying the moment without fear of consequence, judgment, or guilt. There'd be forgiveness in order to let go of judgment and acceptance to realize you didn't need forgiveness to begin with. There'd be expression because your voice matters and you'd assert your true self through expressing your ever-evolving truth. You know why? Because you're allowed to evolve beyond the ego's story of who you should be. There'd be no room for shame, no void within you, because you know how awesome and complete you are. There'd be self-mastery of your emotions and feelings in your body, because you know they are passing guests, and you won't have them linger with the ego's obsessive thoughts and need for stories to analyze. Unconditional love will be the currency we embody in our relationships, and that's how we show up in life, knowing full well that we are it and we live by it. It would look like heaven, because you see, God is in the details too, but what details are we conditioned to focus on, and what can we do about it? See, the ego will always exist. It will always impose its opinions and false narratives that are always based in the unworthiness complex. Just like your divinity will always exist, whispering, you are worthy. Just cause, there is no reason. You are worthy because you are, because you exist. We can either choose to live in the ego's world where everyone is the other and has the power to take love away, or choose to live our true heart's desire of being and emanating unconditional love. No one can take that away from you. You are the divine purpose of life. So call your ego out. That's the homework from this session. Call it out. Writing down things will bring your awareness to how your ego functions. So we're going to write down two lists. In the first one, write down the statements that limit your true being and your life's potential. Statements such as, all my relationships end in disaster. Uh, people are not to be trusted. I should have known better. I'm not doing a good job. I'm not to be trusted. Uh, it's always my fault. I shouldn't try X, Y, Z because what would people say? These tell more about experiences you had than who you truly are. And experiences are there for us to learn from, not to define ourselves. We choose who we become. So call out the imposter who's telling you all these preposterous things. They're absolutely bogus. Lies. Bring your awareness to them. 
These are what fuels the whole charade. And when we realize it's an act from the ego, the drama stops. And we come to find out that we are not an imposter. The ego is. In the second list, write down your true heart's desires. Things you love to do as a kid. Dreams you have long forgotten because uh, the ego deemed them unachievable. Write down the things you're good at, the skills you picked up, the talents you have that come to you naturally and from a place of love. If you're at loss for words, do this exercise with a loved one because support is key on this journey. Ask them to tell you some of what they love about you, what qualities you have. Integrate those into the vocab you use to talk to yourself and to describe yourself. And when the imposter tries to tell you otherwise, silence him with the truth of who you are. Your voice is way more powerful than the ego's. You are divine. Get used to it. To transcend your ego is to know your trauma and where your distorted feedback loop comes from. To accept that it has happened because it has. And accepting something fully is when we allow it to change and transform. Accepting your trauma also exposes how the ego built all this facade to try to hide it. When you see the ego in action and you still choose love is when you transcend the ego. A recap of the exercises will be on my Instagram account at evoke.u. You can also reach me there. I love you for tuning into my second rant session and remember, you are seen, held, and loved.